Hello and welcome to the latest of C&D's news podcasts. I'm Deputy News Editor Annabelle Collins. So many of you will be familiar with the anti-pharmacy cuts campaigning MP Julie Cooper. She has stood up in the House of Commons on numerous occasions to hold the Health Minister to account and is continuing to fight against the proposed cuts. I met up with the Labour MP for Burnley at the end of February in Portcullis House. And we had a really interesting conversation that spanned her experiences of owning a pharmacy and the difficulties surrounding the pharmacy access scheme in her local constituency. I am here with Julie Cooper, Labour MP for Burnley. Um, And some of our readers know that you have um, a pharmacy background. So, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you used to own a pharmacy business with your husband, who is also a pharmacist. So what kind of insight did this give you into... Um, the industry um, before you became involved in the, the cuts campaign and how important has that been? It's, it's given me a massive insight. It's, my husband actually is a community pharmacist and together we owned and ran uh, for 24 years uh, a pharmacy right in the heart of uh, the community of Burnley and uh, of course there's no substitute for that experience so I never dreamt that I'd be here standing up for community pharmacy, but I found myself really in the thick of it because unlike other people in government, I do understand the issues uh, because I've seen firsthand the value of community pharmacy and know what it would mean to communities uh, to lose the pharmacy. Hmm. And how did you first become aware of the cuts? Because a few MPs I've spoken to, some of their constituents came to see them, um, but was it... You know, how, how did you first find out about well, that? Well, some, some of the uh, local pharmacy friends mentioned it, and then I was very much aware uh, that the local pharmacies had petitions uh, in, in, in the pharmacy for, for patients to sign. So I, I was aware of it in the community before it came here and was concerned about it from the outset. Hmm. And what has the response been um, from fellow Labour MPs? Um, I think you know that we've seen a lot of support from mm-hmm. Michael Duggar, for example, and Jonathan Ashworth, which has been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of what? Who, who else has been getting? Well, there's, there's there's been a massive response. I don't know if you followed the debates in Parliament. Mm-hmm. There were dozens of Labour MPs stood up and spoke on behalf of their own uh, community pharmacies in their constituency because they know that the impact uh, that, that it's going to have. And, of course, they didn't all set off being experts on, on the contribution that pharmacies make, but the constituents know how much it means to them. And faced with the prospect of losing them, they've not been slow across the country to contact their MPs to say, you know, hey, this is this is serious, please please make your voice heard and make, make sure our voice is heard. Mm. And... I think a lot of a lot of people in the sector were very shocked when the cuts were first announced. Mm. Kind of questioning why us? Like, why is this happening to pharmacy? You know, what, what's your take on this? I, I think uh, I think the minister thought mistakenly that it was a, an easy hit that no one would would realise. It was a, a part of the NHS that they could hit with nobody protesting. Mm. Uh, and I don't. I honestly don't think that ministers appreciate the contribution that community pharmacy makes to the wider health service and to the primary care team in particular. Mm. And so how instead do you think the government should be utilising pharmacies, um, you know, which has come out of the winter? It hasn't been too cold, but 
you know, A&E departments have still been absolutely swamped, so it does seem that primary care can step up. Well, we keep we keep hearing, and I have no reason to doubt it, I'm mean, speaking to health professionals, that the, it's not, we've gone beyond a winter crisis in the, in the NHS, it's an all-year-round crisis, and pharmacies have an absolutely fundamental, important role to play in this. And and what, what should the government be doing in this? They should be sitting down with pharmacy, community pharmacy representatives, with the MPA, with Pharmacy Voice, with the Royal Society... And taking up this sector on the offer to extend the role, the, the proposals to cut the budget for pharmacy, which will inevitably lead to reduction in service and a closure of some pharmacies, is short-sighted in the extreme. So rather than doing that, why not look to extend the vast array of services that community pharmacists already provide? Mm-hmm. Let them help ease the burden from the NHS. And, and when it comes to medication use, for example, nobody is better placed in the health service to advise on reducing waste, improving patient compliance than, than, than pharmacists. And something that's kind of popped into my head then is the minor ailments um, scheme. Mm-hmm. Not so much the scheme, I mean, that they're not going to put any money into it, but I think it was um, David Mowat said he wants every CCG to have a minor ailments scheme. Mm-hmm. That seems like the perfect way for pharmacists to take some of the pressure off but I don't see how that's realistic without the money you know well well, absolutely clearly it's not I mean at the moment we've got a piecemeal position where this is uh, commissioned in some parts of the country not in others Mm -hmm. Uh, when we had our our pharmacies was one of the many services that that, uh, were commissioned from us Mm -hmm. and our local GP said and I know it's uh, echoed around the country that without that scheme he could not cope we would regularly see on a uh, hundred uh, patients a day who we were able to provide advice and medication without any need to see a GP. So imagine where there isn't that scheme or where where the funding for it's withdrawn. That extra patient, that's a hundred extra patients, an already GP, uh, an already busy GP practice. Mm. That, that, that isn't helping uh, ease the pressure on the NHS at all. It is making things worse. And, and the minor ailments is just one of many. I mean, I, I've lost count of the number of services we used to provide. And the, the goodwill that was in there. Uh, I mean, routinely do medication use reviews with mm-hmm. their patients. Run emergency hormonal contraceptive mm-hmm. schemes and full advice around that, needling. Uh, Fringe exchange oh. schemes, methadone, dietary advice, blood pressure testing, mm. flu vaccines, the list's endless. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's so much goodwill. And, and, the, and most of this is not actually paid for. Extra. It's, it's just part of the service. Most pharmacies, for example, in the community provide a, a free collection a delivery service of prescriptions. Put a van on the road. There was much made in this in the de- recent discussions about this, about the, the practice allowance, the twenty five thousand established allowance, the twenty five thousand pounds established allowance paid to pharmacies. But I would say to that, it doesn't even pay to put a delivery van on the road and a driver, mm. uh, and patients just take that service for granted now. If, if pharmacists were to really withdraw goodwill, and I'm sure they're not going to because they are caring professionals. Where, where would the community be be extra pressure on doctor surgeries in addition and um, another point that does keep coming up kind of related to that is, is the concern over clusters mm. um, which 
it's, it's, I think it's quite concerning because I think each pharmacy has its own kind of group of patients, I don't know whether it's about language or the kind of services in that area that are needed and I think you know, is, is this kind of plan to cut down on so-called clusters, is it, is it concerning do you think? Where does that come from, that kind of you know, that thought There process? are a lot of issues around <laughs> this because of course uh, community pharmacies are private businesses mm. and they respond to market demand. Where there is a demand for their service, they will open and they will stay open. Mm. Uh, and so, so the government can't have it both ways. Do they want pharmacists to provide a, a, a service to the NHS or do they want them to be private businesses? Mm. They want them to pay for their own premises and their own staff, which they do. Uh, but on the other hand, they want them to be there at the whims of a change in NHS contract. Uh, and that's unacceptable either. In terms of, uh, like you were saying, the pharmacists are developing to respond to particular uh, areas of demand. That, that's very. That's very much the case. Mm. But on the uh, in terms of, of the clusters, when when the government's make, making this funding cut, some pharmacies will close, but they haven't carried out no impact assessment. They do not know mm. which pharmacies will close. It's quite likely that the pharmacies in clusters where they're part of a big national, and that's often the case, they'll continue, whatever. But the little essential individual, privately owned pharmacy that a community really relies on won't have the protections from volume buying and, and the protection and umbrella of, under, of a big group. So there is no control whatsoever on which pharmacies will close. And I, I did ask the Minister, uh, at the very least, to carry out a full impact assessment it, well, I can I can be absolutely sure it won't be Boots pharmacies that are closing mm. or Lloyd's in this. Never mind whether they're part of a cluster or not, they mm. won't close. Uh, and so that can't be desirable. That's not an improvement in service. Mm, no, absolutely. And I think um, I think it's the Pharmacy Access Fund um, mm. was pitched as something to protect those small independent pharmacies. Um, I don't know whether you're aware, but every well, single application has been rejected. So. Well, I, I can just tell you that not a single uh, pharmacy in my constituency mm. qualified for that protection. Mm. Uh, and I think there were three in London altogether. Mm. And one of those was at Heathrow Airport. Hardly what I had in mind yeah. when I thought about community pharmacy. Mm. Uh, and the community pharmacy that I owned for 24 years was in one of the most deprived communities and I saw every day for 24 years the, the value to that community. Mm. And, and if that pharmacy going forward were not able to survive, mm. it's not owned by me now, it hasn't been for a few years, if it weren't able to survive, uh, inevitably some, some of these people, instead of the, the pharmacy, they will be in the doctor's surgery, and when they can't get an appointment at the doctor's surgery, which is the case because the doctors are so overworked and overstretched as mm. well, some people just fought with their feet go straight to it, straight to any for their mm. relatively minor health needs, mm. but health needs that need addressing. Mm. Mm. Absolutely, um, I know, which is it's, it's really worrying, um, and I think kind of STPs, you know, the mm. Sustainability and Transformation Plans, mm. kind of. Oh gosh, yes. it's, so that's quite a new thing this week. Um, I think the King's Fund published an analysis, which is quite interesting, and it seems that there is a real there is a real space for pharmacy to to, to contribute and. We're really hoping that it's involved in these 44 local areas. I don't know if you're um, kind of, you know, kind of got an eye on the STPs at all. But would you like to see pharmacy involved? In I do have an eye. 
I on the STPs, I've been looking at them nationally and I've been looking specifically at the one that in my area, the mm. Lancashire and South Cumbria one, mm. and note the total lack of consultation. Mm. Uh, there have been no doctors involved, certainly no pharmacists in it, no nurse involvement. I met with That's the Royal true. College of Nurses this week, mm. they've not been asked to, to contribute at all. Okay. Uh, and, and going forward, if, if these STPs are going to deliver the savings that the government anticipates they will, 26 billion in total across the country. Mm. 575 million in my district then we're going to have to employ every health professional uh, at the potential of a maximised potential and here is an opportunity in pharmacy that the government are missing uh, to, to actually harness this goodwill and look what, what extra uh, can pharmacists contribute. They, they have already saved the health service billions by some of the avoidance of medicine waste uh, and making sh- rationalisation of prescribing, mm-hmm. advising GPs on this. And they have openly said, please sit down at the table with us let's work together, let us advise you on how we can go forward, save some money for the NHS, support other health professionals and deliver real savings and better service for patients. And the government have said, no, we, want, we, we, we refuse to have that conversation. Mm. Short-sighted in the extreme, in my view. Mm. And um, it, it kind of seems like the next big thing in this um, kind of story is the court case in March. Mm. And we're kind of wondering, is that going to be the only thing that can change the government's mind and get them to rethink? I think the strength of public feeling Mm. uh, shouldn't be underestimated. Uh, I I do think that a lot of the public think that it's gone away suddenly, it's not in the news all the time at the moment and I think we have a collective responsibility and I take my part in that very Mm. seriously to keep the public aware that this this fight has not been won. Mm. We this this is still a genuine threat because nothing's happened yet, and the local pharmacy hasn't closed yet. Of course, the 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 cuts haven't been implemented yet. But I mm. think we have a, 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 a duty to keep it in the public eye. So I, I welcome the publicity work that you're doing around this. Mm. It is really important that the sector carries on making its voice heard, uh, and those of us here in Westminster, certainly in the shadow of health team, will continue to do that. And as you've already heard, many colleagues. Labour MPs and actually Conservative MPs yeah, across the House, mm-hmm. they know uh, and their constituents know. And, and I, I would say that you know the more constituents contact their MP on, on this subject, the more MPs are going to sit up and take notice, and they will challenge challenge the government on this. It, 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 I think it's a fight we can win, and mm-hmm. it's a fight we need to win. Mm-hmm. And. Um, you kind of mentioned the importance of the sector remaining engaged in this mm-hmm. campaign. What things can people be doing um, at a very practical level um, to kind of keep awareness raised and keep the pressure on their local MP? Well, I think we need to focus on getting things in the local media as well as national media. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and local stories, are, you know, if, if individuals who've benefited... I mean, I, I, we had so many patients that we helped personally, and it was, apart from... A, a source of income. It was a really satisfying job to do because we we always knew about the the personal stories, the things that uh, it, we weren't really at liberty to talk about. But the individual patients uh, could, and I know it's still going on. The sort of benefits when you've got somebody in the family who's, for example, uh, terminally ill and, and needs. 
uh, attention at strange hours and community pharmacists will regularly go that extra mile. Uh, delivering uh, crucial pain relief into the evening is nothing new and, and nobody uh, seeks or tries to seek payment for that. Mm. It's just part of a caring role that health professionals, whether it be doctors, nurses and pharmacists, are no different. Uh, want to be a part of and I think those personal stories of, of support because it's, all, it's, it's, a, it's the elderly and it's the mentally ill it's the chronically ill who make most use of pharmacies mm. and of course the flip side of that is the well-being the opportunities to intervene to promote a healthy well society which is got to be fundamental to to coping for the NHS coping in the future. As demand continues to rise, the government and everyone connected with health it does accept that prevention and the promotion of prevention of ill health and the promotion of well being mm-hmm. has got to be fundamental to us as a society going forward. Mm-hmm. And pharmacists are so well placed to make clinical interventions and positive ones every day. I mean, in an average week, we, we do about 11,000 prescriptions. Mm-hmm. That's 11,000 opportunities mm-hmm. to, to talk to somebody about lifestyle issues. And, and I think what we always found was that people trust their community pharmacists. And, and particularly in times of problems in recruitment for GPs, uh, where ever-changing phases in GP practices... Mm-hmm. Quite often, the the pharmacist is the most uh, well-known, the only continuity of care, particularly for the elderly. Mm. Uh, Families... My my husband was regularly asked for advice that went way beyond his his pharmacist role. But, of course, you know, he he was happy to step in and and do that, and he was a Mm. trusty figure. And people would often talk to him about things in confidence in the consulting room mm-hmm. that we'd built at our own expense and pharmacies around the country have done this yeah, yeah. proactively wanting to provide a better service where people sit and say well actually those tablets I didn't like to say to my doctor because he's very busy or it was that different lady this week mm-hmm. but I don't take those or I find they're upsetting me so but I, 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 I haven't crossed them off because I don't want to to upset him mm. and meanwhile the stockpiled in the cupboard going out of date mm. costing the NHS money Absolutely, so the yeah. pharmacy's well placed to say well actually I'll have a word and tell him that you actually you might be better taking this and I'll speak to him on your behalf etc and using that expertise I mean, if we think about it as a nation pharmacists tra- we spend a lot of money training pharmacists mm. uh, pharmacists train for five years mm. including in, in their pre-registration year what they are the experts on medication and, and promoting well-being connection with that mm. and terribly underused they do work really hard there's so much more they could do and they're saying they must be the only sector that's saying we can do more mm. let us work with yeah. us and we can save the NHS money and, and the door's just slamming in the face mm. and that's so rare in the NHS now saying we want to take on more yeah. we, we <laughs> yeah. can do more I mean yeah. there's so much and um, some of the systems need rationalising and also pharmacists need to have full access to patient records 
mm-hmm. uh, because it, it, it will be so much more efficient. I mean, the partial ac- access is welcome. And, I mean, some of the changes around technology will inevitably form part of the savings that the SEPs will need to develop. Mm. Uh, and that, that is absolutely crucial. Uh, electronic prescribing uh, it, it is, a, is a real set forward, and it's just building on that. The savings in, in time and resources you know, is immense already in that, and that could go so much further. Mm. Pharmacists are well set to advise on that. Mm. Mm, absolutely, and actually, interestingly, um, the patient records point yeah. was in the um, King's Fund analysis, mm. and really hoping that that's picked up in different areas. Well, it, 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 it's so it's so important because pharmacists can intervene, and, and rather than uh, a pharmacist uh, guessing and on the telephone trying to speak to a, a very busy GP, catching mm. for a few minutes in between appointments or her for a few minutes in between appointments, it's so inefficient of everybody's time. Mm, where to be able to look at a record, you know exactly. Not just what they're taking. Of course, we've kept long kept those records, but, but, but why? What 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 this was particularly prescribed for? Because obviously, mm-hmm. medication is prescribed for lots of different things, mm-hmm. and in combination. Mm-hmm. So that's really, it's really crucial. Mm-hmm. And um, I suppose finally, really kind of looking forward um, into this next year, we've got the court case coming up. But obviously, we have the budget as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether that's kind of an opportunity to, you know, put pharmacy's case forward again. We'll certainly be, be raising it around the budget mm. uh, to ask the government to, to relook at this because it's not about asking the government to spend money, it's about asking the government to understand that investing now in and working with pharmacy, in pharmacy, it's investment, it's investor save really. Mm. Investment now is timely and once these pharmacies go, they will never come back. Is some of these close, and that will be a permanent loss to the health service and a permanent cost. Pharmacy saves the NHS money; it doesn't cost. It more than more is more than cost neutral. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. Um, well, thank you so much.